Our text today will be John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is the word of the Lord. This text begins our Advent season. And I chose this text because it is foundational to all we hold true as Christians as it speaks of Christ. It is foundational to the themes we will look at each week leading up to Christmas. Those themes are hope, peace, joy, and love. These are not only traditional themes for the Advent season, but they are fundamental to our Christian faith and Christian life. Just a little bit about the celebration of Advent. We have some new families, and not all churches observe Advent. The word Advent simply means coming. And Advent is a celebration of Christ's coming, his first and his final. Christ's fellowship did not, for most of its history, observe or pay really any attention to Advent. For the last several years, we have chosen to observe Advent and make it a part of our annual rhythm of our church's worship. Advent is a countdown to the celebration of Christmas. And with the world's commercialization and compromise of all things Christmas and our Christmas parade as a city last night, which I did not attend, is a perfect example of what's happened to Christmas. Advent affords the church an opportunity to refocus on the themes foundational to the biblical celebration of our Savior's birth and the promise of his return. Therefore, Advent is a time of both remembrance and anticipation. You'll notice that we have Advent candles up here. Five candles are used in celebration of Advent. One of the four colorful candles symbolizes a corresponding theme each week leading up to Christmas. First candle I lit today, the purple candle, one of the purple candles, represents hope. It represents, these candles represent the true light that has come into the world. And as the candles are lit each week, it culminates with the lighting of the center candle, which is called the Christ candle. And we'll light that during our Christmas Eve candlelight service. So hope is the first of our four themes for Advent. And I want us to consider hope in the context of our text today from John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And John begins his gospel with these words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John goes on to tell us that all things were created... Through God's word, Christ being that second person of the Trinity, that living word through which 
all things were created. Now, God did not create the cosmos by his word and then lose control of it. It seems that there are Christians who, if they don't consciously believe that, I think much of the church lives as though God created everything, but then he somehow lost control of it. That is not the case. And I want you to be assured, Christian, that God has not lost control of anything. He did not hand over control either to his creation to be subject to the whims of his creatures. God is not a fireman coming behind us putting out the fires that we ignite. Our hope is not in a state of wavering uncertainty left to the fate and the fortunes of the creation with its creatures. No, the Lord of glory, through which all things were created, rules all things by his word. Our hope is sure if our hope is in him. So Christian, take heart and have hope, for Jesus is Lord over all of creation, now and for eternity. So how does this verse communicate hope to us? The hope this verse communicates is in the one this verse speaks of. The Word who was in the beginning with God. The Word who was and is God. John is proclaiming to us the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Word who was in the beginning. The Word who was with God. He's making known the Word through whom all things were made. He is making known to us the word who is the life and the light that the darkness has not nor ever will overcome. Don't believe the lie the enemy wants you to believe. That somehow the darkness is overcoming the light. That is not true. That is a lie. Jesus Christ is the living word. He is the light the darkness will never overcome. He is our hope that has conquered all, even death itself. These first five verses of John's gospel proclaim who Jesus Christ is and why in him our hope will never disappoint. He is before all things and he is the maker of all things created. He is the one that death and darkness has never overcome. And this is why in Christ our hope springs eternal. All the scripture conveys about the hope and the promise we have in Christ is in the fundamental truth of who Jesus Christ is. And he is not merely a great prophet or a great teacher as many believe. Though he is certainly the greatest prophet and the greatest teacher, Jesus Christ is not merely that. He is not merely the Son of God. Though he certainly is the Son of God, he is also God. Jesus Christ is not merely a good man. He is the God-man. He is everything John declares him to be. He is all that the Scripture declares him to be. Jesus is exactly who the apostles and the prophets proclaim him to be. He is all Scripture teaches that he is. He is the word who was in the beginning with God 
and the Word who is God. He is the one who has not been overcome by darkness. He is the one who ensures that our hope does not disappoint. If there is ever a time the church needs hope, it is now. Hope not as the world defines, but as God promises. Hope is defined as a desire with anticipation for something to happen or be true. To hope is to desire with expectation of fulfillment or to expect with confidence. That's how we typically use hope, that word, in our casual conversations, be it in verb or in noun form. This use of the word hope often has a wavering or uncertain sound, as in hoping a certain thing comes to pass. The use of the word hope in the Bible sometimes carries this wavering or uncertain sound. For example, Herod hoped that he would see Jesus do some miracle, Luke 2.38. Felix hoped that Paul would give him a bribe to be released from his incarceration, Acts 24, verse 26. Both of these men hoped that something would happen, but both were disappointed. The Bible seldom uses the word hope in this doubt-filled way. Hope is very often used in the context of our conversation as something that we want to be certain, but is not certain. That's really not how the Bible speaks of our hope. In Christ, God's promises are true. And in Christ, our hope is steadfast and always certain because that hope is founded in Christ. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Hope does not disappoint. Biblical hope will never be overcome by disappointment, even when disappointment is real. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we are never disappointed in life. Being disappointed is not the same thing as being overcome by disappointment. I'm disappointed that my wife has a diagnosis of blood cancer. It's not what I would choose. It's not what I would do. So there is a disappointment in that diagnosis. But our hope is not in what a doctor says or doesn't say. Our hope is not whether... We can find a cure in this life or not. Our hope is in Christ, and our hope transcends this temporal realm that we live in, and it transcends these mortal bodies that we live in. And the promise of God is that this body will one day pass away somehow, some way, sooner if not later. But our hope is not in making this body function and live as long as it possibly can on this earth. Our hope is in Christ, and our hope is eternal 
and transcends all of this temporal created realm. So disappointment is real, but being disappointed is not the same thing as being overcome by disappointment. We all experience disappointment in life. Disappointment can rob us of hope if our hope is not anchored in Christ. Hebrews 6.19, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. The hope the writer of Hebrews speaks of there is Christ. Christ is the one who entered the presence behind the veil and made atonement for our sin once and for all. The promises of God are unfailing in Christ, who is our hope and the anchor of our soul. When our hope is anchored in Christ, when disappointment comes to us, it will not overcome us. For in Christ, hope does not disappoint. And this is why Paul pins these words in his letter to the Romans, chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Tribulations which bring disappointments will surely come. You can count on that. But not without producing something in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Tribulations produce perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. The promise is that our hope founded in Christ does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Hope, therefore, transcends and overcomes our tribulations and our disappointments. Our hope withstands tribulation and disappointment because it is founded in Christ. Christ who has overcome. Christ, who is victorious over sin and over death. And our hope is founded in Christ because we belong to Christ. He is our hope, not because we have Christ, but because Christ has us. Christ is not who we possess, but the one who possesses us. And there is a distinction that we need to understand here. I'm not saying you don't have Christ. I'm saying the reason you have Christ is because Christ has you. You think you're carrying Christ around with you? No, actually Christ is carrying you. Hope belongs to you because you belong to Jesus. God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Those words are pinned for us in Ephesians chapter 1. At the very beginning of Paul's letter, he lays out this truth that you didn't choose Christ, you were chosen by Christ. You were chosen by God Before you are ever born, before you are ever a thought, he chose you and him before the foundations of the world. 
Paul goes on in his letter in Ephesians 2.10 to declare that we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here Paul confirms the words of the Apostle John when he writes that we are the workmanship of Christ who is the word who created us and all things and he is our undying hope. And this is why the hope we have in Christ does not disappoint even when we feel disappointment. We walk not by our feeling or by our sight, but we walk by faith in the Son of God. Christian, your hope in Him is sure because you belong, body and soul, to Jesus Christ who has redeemed us by His precious blood. The first question of the Heidelberg Catechism is, What is your only comfort in life and death? And the answer begins like this, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. If you remember, a number of years ago, we went through each week reciting one of the 52 parts of the New City Catechism. The late Tim Keller in the New City Catechism expresses this same truth from the Heidelberg by asking the question in this way, what is our only hope in life and death? And the answer is the same, that we are not our own but belong body and soul both in life and death to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The question of our hope is a fundamental question we must ask ourselves. What is our only comfort? Where where does your comfort come from? We have lots of creature comforts. It's pretty comfortable in here this morning. Climate controlled, nice, heavy padded seats. We're all pretty comfortable. But that's not where our comfort comes from. That comfort is fleeting. That comfort will pass away. Where is our only hope? Where does your hope come from? Is your hope and your ability to amass a great nest egg so one day when you retire you can do whatever you want without any worries about financial constraints? Is your hope in your work, your career? Is it in the things you aspire to, you dream of? If it is... That is fleeting hope. It is not hope. The answer to both of these questions, what is our only hope? What is our only comfort? The answer is the same, that we are not our own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to Jesus Christ. It's not that you have Jesus, it's that Jesus has you. That means our hope transcends the temporal conditions of this life and is secure in the eternal plan and purpose of God for all of his creation, including each and every one of us in this life and beyond. Christ is our hope. If we look for hope in anyone or anything else, we will be disappointed. I can promise you that. Apart from Christ, anything we may find resembling hope will be fleeting at best and in reality a false hope that cannot give us what we seek.
Because false hope is no hope at all. We are to abound in hope. Christ is our true hope. He is our true comfort. Being filled with all joy and peace in believing. We have this hope because we belong, body and soul, both in life and in death, to God and to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The prayer of the Apostle Paul was that the believers would abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our ability to manage everything in our life, not in our ability to manage our disappointments or to manage our hope or to manage our level of comfort. No. Romans 5.13, Paul prays this, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit and through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. Do you know that the Spirit of God in you is powerful whether you believe he is or not? Whether you feel as though he is or not? Pastor, I'm feeling pretty weak. I'm feeling pretty down. I don't have a whole lot of hope right now. Well, who dwells in you, Christian? Do you believe what the Scripture declares, that the greater one dwells in you? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world? Do you believe that the Holy Spirit of God actually dwells in you? That's what the Bible says. Do you believe that the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and that it will strengthen your mortal body? Well, that's what the Word says. Yeah, but I don't feel it. Well, stop living by your feelings. I don't see it. I watch the news every day looking for it, and I just can't see any hope anywhere. Stop looking for hope where there is no hope. Look to God. Look to Christ. Go to the Word, Christian, and find your hope that has been declared there, and it is sure, and it is eternal, and it will not disappoint if your hope is in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then that's where your hope is. You just need to get your mind renewed to that truth so that you begin living in harmony and unity with what God has declared in His Word. And believe that the Spirit of God that actually lives in you is powerful. So powerful that it raised Christ from the dead. And if it raised Christ from the dead, I think it is powerful enough for us to find hope. To have hope in the midst of a hopeless world. So our hope abounds in Christ through the powerful work of the Holy Spirit. And through that work of the Spirit, God fills you with joy and peace in believing and trusting and trusting Him that you may abound in hope. And our hope abounds in the promises of God given to us in Jesus Christ. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bring those promises to fruition in our life according to His will. As we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, the sure hope and the sure promise we have in Christ is that God is working in us 
both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Now, I think it's fair to say, and if you've lived on this earth any period of time, you know that God doesn't always work in the way you and I want him to work. And God's plans and God's purposes don't always line up with our own. Just when you least expect it, God's plan goes awry. No, actually not. God's plan never goes awry. Just when you least expect it, you realize that God has another plan that you didn't know he had. And what do you do when your plan and God's plans diverge? And you want to stay with your plan, but God says, no, sorry, you can't. And God puts you in situations and circumstances that are outside of your control, forcing you to have to deal with his plan and his purpose. How many of you like that when that happens? Is there anyone? Hmm. I mean, we should like it, right? Because we know God's will is the best. God's plan is the best. But let's be honest. It doesn't always feel good when that happens. Should we lose hope in those moments? Absolutely not. It should remind us that our hope is not in what we can manage, not in what we can plan, not in our own purposes, not in our own abilities, but our hope transcends ourselves, and thank God it does, and it rests firmly in Christ. So faith is not from our head. Paul's prayer was for the God of hope to fill us with all joy and peace in believing. Believing is more than just mental assent. Believing is more than what I have up here. I can have a lot of things up here that are wrong. Believing. When the Bible talks about believing, the Bible is speaking of our trust. Where is our trust? And trust is what the Bible calls faith. Faith is not from our head, but from our heart. Faith is not just me having knowledge of something up here. Faith deals with my trust, not just my mental assent concerning something. Faith is the gift of God that is to go from our heart to our head. It is our faith, it is our trust in Jesus that should inform us and should be renewing our mind, transforming us and conforming us to the image of the Son. This carnal mind is to be renewed to the spiritual mind. You have the mind of Christ, the Scripture tells us, Paul writes this, you have the mind of Christ, what you need to do and what I need to do now is conform my carnal mind to the mind of Christ. I believe this is what the Bible speaks of when it talks about even unto the saving of the soul. The soul is the seed of the mind, the will, and the emotions. And now that I have been saved, now that I belong to Jesus, my mind is being renewed to the truth. And that is a process, I believe, we will 
continue on at the very minimum at the very minimum as long as we are in these fleshly bodies still dealing with these carnal minds so believing is more than just mental assent it is that gift of God that goes from our heart to our head to transform us for his glory. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the writer of Hebrews pins these words that you are familiar with. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is linked to hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Not imaginary, not make-believe, not, not real. It's substance. It's the substance of things hoped for. The Bible says we don't hope for what we can see because if we can see it, if we can have it, why are we hoping for it? We don't need to hope for it anymore. Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. Those unseen things, those things we hope for and in which our hope abides are as sure and as solid as the very earth we rest upon. We often do not believe that because we think seeing is believing, but in reality it is not unless we're seeing by faith. But we want to see with our natural eyes. We want to touch and hold with our physical senses. And then we'll believe it's real. But actually, Jesus said, no, you won't. If you don't believe the law and the prophets, you're not even going to believe though one come back from the dead. And that actually happened. And they did not believe. And they still are not believing today. But if you belong to Jesus, God has given you a gift called faith by which you now believe what you cannot see with the natural, but by faith you can see it. You can perceive it. You can place your hope in it and know that it is substantive, real, solid, eternal. Never to be overcome by darkness. Never to fade away or flit away. The Word who is with God, the Word who is God, has declared these things. And though unseen, they will not fail and cannot disappoint. Place your hope in Christ, Christian. And so place your hope in all things that cannot fail and will not disappoint. This is true because Christ will not fail. Christ does not disappoint. For he has already overcome. He has already obtained the victory. To God be the glory. In the name of the Father of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us prepare to come to the Lord's table, a table of thanksgiving, a table that declares hope to the hopeless, light to those in darkness, life to those mired in death. You are welcome to this Thanksgiving table because God has welcomed you. He has called you. He has cleansed you. He has consecrated you. And now he calls you to come and to commune with him, to eat his bread and drink his wine, to be renewed, to go back out into this world and be the light in the darkness, to give hope to the hopeless. Christian, come to the table and commune with your God and be renewed and refreshed to go out and obey his commission. Amen? Amen. Welcome to Jesus. I would invite you to stand for your charge, your commission. Advent is not only about a hope that was, but it celebrates a hope that is now and will be forever. Hope is not about what's in the past. Hope is about what is in the future. So as we have looked at hope today, we are remembering Christ's birth, his life, his death, but hope points us forward. And so the coming of Christ is not something that has only happened in history. The coming of Christ is something yet to happen. Listen to the words of the prophet Isaiah and rejoice in the hope we have in Christ. Isaiah 2, 2 through 5. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills And all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. And nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. That is the word of the Lord. And I believe we can say that that has not yet fully come to pass. So our hope is yet in front of us. And we hold it in the present, knowing that it will not disappoint. That is not describing the world we see around us now, but the world that will one day be. How will we get there? Well, verse 5 says it, O house of Jacob, come and let us walk in the light of the Lord. We will get there by walking in the light of the Lord. Today, Tomorrow and always. Not only when it is easy or convenient, 
for us to walk in the way of the Lord or popular, but daily when it is hard, when it's inconvenient, and yes, even when it's unpopular, we walk in the way of the Lord. We walk in the light of the Lord because that is what God commands us to do, and that is where our hope is found. His hope that does not disappoint and cannot fail belongs to us because we belong to Jesus, redeemed by his very own and precious blood. Have hope, Christian, in the midst of this world's hopelessness. Have hope because Jesus is Lord. Amen? Amen. Let us sing our thanks. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you.